Hello, welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. I am your host, Matthew Pfeiffer, and today we have a very special guest. We have Terry from Continuing to Rise. She is out of Illinois, and she is a divorce coach, and she helps people get through divorces and get through some of the difficult times of, of conflict and custody and even, even post, post-divorce, because as you know, and if you've been following me or if you've been a part of the podcast for a while, you know there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to a divorce it doesn't matter if it's high conflict, low conflict, or medium conflict. And oftentimes you've heard me talk about this quite a bit on this podcast that it's important to have a support system. And even though you might have a lawyer, even though you might have friends, you might have a therapist, some one of the resources that you might need to consider might be a divorce coach. And we're going to talk about all the reasons why. But before we get into it and, and before I get ahead of myself, which I usually do anyway, let me introduce you to our guest. I'm going to kick it over to Terry. Terry, thank you very much for being a part. Uh, I'm going to kick it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get started? Hey, well, thanks, Matt. It's so good to be here today and joining you and your listeners. I am, like you said, you, you already heard my accent if you haven't heard it. I'm I'm originally from Virginia. I grew up just a poor rural upbringing with a single mom she divorced when when we were pretty little and after their divorce my my biological father pretty much abandoned us from from the beginning i can remember a handful of times i've had any contact with them and between just just being really poor having a chaotic childhood and just feeling abandoned by my father i had a lot of I would say unhealed traumas that like followed me into my adulthood, but yet was very unaware of them. And I grew up, I became successful professionally. I was, was, you know, very educated, very ambitious, very highly driven, but my intimate relationships from the get-go were a hot, hot mess. You know, I was needy. I was insecure. I was the queen of, of grudges. I just needed constant reassurance and, you know, I mean, sabotage good relationships. And now, now I realize what was really causing that. I was divorced and I went through a horrendous divorce, two and a half years. It just two failed mediations, two failed attorneys, all this stuff. And it just was the worst time in my life. And when I got through it, having lost my home, lost my health, almost losing my job. I mean, it was just, you know, just emotionally overwhelming. I came through it and I kind of looked back and I was like, whoa, you know, something's got to change. I have to show up differently. And I learned the skill sets, the healing modalities, the, the things that most people need to do so that they can create healthy relationships in their lives. But it begins with you. You've got to heal those underlying traumas and underlying abandonment wounds that cause you to feel so lonely, that cause you to feel so uh, you're second guessing, you need constant reassurance. And doing that really leads you on the path to creating those healthy boundaries and having healthy relationships. So I'm really passionate about that. If you can't tell. No, no. Uh, I mean, likewise, you and I were talking about that in, uh, before, you know, during the, the pre recording. And uh, I feel very, I feel very much the same way. And people who followed me for a while know that I tell people that you really have to look look within, even if the other person was, even if it's, even if the other person was, quote unquote, the problem or 
the narcissist or whatever, you have to understand that there was a, there was a part of you that led you into that relationship, that kept you in that relationship too long. And that was something in my own personal journey that I had to uh, had to look within and take some responsibility myself, which is very difficult for a lot of people to do. And so, I, number one, I give you credit. But can you talk to us a little bit more about what that process looks like? Someone who might be listening that might say to themselves, you know, maybe I am the problem. Maybe there was some parts of me that that I need to get into check. How would someone know? And what can they do about it once they do uh, start to see some of those things? Great question. Most people come to me after they've done years of, of therapy and it just leaves them feeling stuck. And I'm a very action-oriented person, so I, I draw those people into me who are looking for a five-step systematic proven process with action-oriented steps that you can take that will implement into your lives today, daily steps that you can be doing every day to improve your self-esteem, to improve your health, your wealth, your mental and emotional health. So that's that's really the key. So what led me to that was just, um, I think at the time was going through my divorce, being separated, being virtually homeless and staying at some friend of a friend of a friend's house and being in our basement, just crying myself to sleep night after night. When I, my babies were there, just holding them, all you know, falling asleep. We've all been there. When they weren't, just, you know, watching sad documentaries in the basement. And I just, I think for me, was recognizing that I really had this pull to go out and get male attention. I really wanted, I want, I mean, that, that, I wasn't separated a day and I was like, okay, I need to go meet another man. I need to, I need to go and, you know, to have someone tell me I'm pretty and have someone tell me, you know, you're funny and you're likable and you're so smart. And I like, that was kind of my aha moment of like, whoa, girl, like mm, you, you, there's something not quite right about that, that, that you're here in this place. So I look back at it now and today I call it consciously surrendering because I made that conscious choice to like just sit with the loneliness because I was lonely when I was married and here I was desperately lonely while I was was separated and recognizing that this is really about me, that there was something fundamentally wrong with me or broken or need, something was not kind of like melding. And so what I call it today is like consciously surrendering to that loneliness. Again, I didn't have the tool sets that I do today where, you know, you don't have to spend years learning how to do it. I give it people in a matter of weeks. But understanding that the connection between this needing this validation from men was really connected to this abandonment wound that I had with my own biological, now probably he's a functioning alcoholic at the time too, so that erratic behavior from him. And so understanding that there was a connection there that when I sat with that loneliness night after night after night, what I realized was, oh, I, I, I don't love myself. I don't feel like I'm lovable. And I thought, well, you know, again, it was just this kind of subconscious connection that came through and it was like, oh, if your own father doesn't love you, you must be pretty unlovable. And it was kind of that awareness of like, 
I need to heal this fundamental belief that I'm not lovable. And once I started that journey to doing that, it just led me on a completely different path in every area of my life. And now I get to teach that to other people, but they don't have to, you know, learn the skills on their own or read all the books that, you know, can guide you. To learn the hard way. Yeah. So I wish I had had someone like me in the throes of all that too, because a lot of us who had that chaotic childhood and all those traumatic events happening to us were just so dysregulated and so discombobulated and learning some skills to, to feel safe, feel secure in ourselves, learning to love ourselves, learning to take care of ourselves, learning to set boundaries and then follow through. Those are just fundamental parts of, of being on the healing path. And it's not easy and it's not easy to do it on your own. I think that's, right. I think that's where a lot of people need that accountability. They need someone shining a spotlight on the blind spots of, you know, where they're, where they're falling through the cracks. What, what does that loneliness that you, you talked about, what does that look like? What does a day in the life look like for someone who is struggling with that pit of loneliness? I guess we can call it. Yeah. Again, I, it goes back to how I was utilizing outside sources to make myself feel good. I, I looked ambitious, high achieving on the outside. That was because deep down, I felt like I was, I was unworthy. I didn't matter. No one really cared. So I had to prove to the world I was good enough. I had to prove, look, look how smart I am. Look, you can love me. Look, look, I do all this stuff. So that's what we see in so many nice guys and people pleasers. They're always trying to get people to like them and prove to everyone how lovable they really are. And so for me, it was that it, it was trying to prove something all the time, prove to myself I'm worthy, I matter, I'm, I, you know, I'm lovable. And also in the relationships too, I, you know, was always sucking a lot of energy. Like I need a lot of reassurance. I was very needy. Needed, you know, how did you know, you know this was a lot of energy? Just right, you know, how come you're not texting me or how come you didn't say you love me this morning before you left for work or how come, you know, you just, you're always second guessing that your partner, or you're always second guessing yourself or why did that person do that to me or what? But when you're secure and you're regulated and you're grounded and you're centered, you no longer have that, you know, inner voice and you know, I'm okay no matter what. And I really, what the way I frame loneliness now is very different than how I first looked at it. I, I think that people think that loneliness is being disconnected from others. I felt disconnected yeah. even from my most intimate partner who loved me and I loved him. I, I felt disconnected, right? But the truth is I wasn't connected to myself. So if you're not connected to yourself, that's really what loneliness is, is feeling this disconnection from your own true inner self. How can you connect to anyone else? But and we so, see that uh, connection what, in others. Yeah. What, what do you feel, what does that look like now, now that you are connected? Because there, one of the things that you said is that you had to sit with the loneliness. And that is something... Uh, a lot of people don't know the statistic, but uh, and, and this stat is specific to women, but about 40% of women don't like being in their own thoughts. 
it's a scary, scary place for, for people to be. I don't know if that was something that you, you relate to. That research was, was uh, done w- with women only. But was that, can you relate to that? Or, um, and even if, it, even if you can't, what was it like for you to sit with that loneliness? And, and how did you transition into like, okay, I'm okay. I can, I can sit here in my own, in my own loneliness and everything's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary indeed. And I, I understand that, especially for women, when women have like, when we've got so many societal constructs thrust upon us in, in addition to just our own stuff, um, where the thoughts are negative and they're usually about our body or ourselves or not being good enough. So it is a scary place to be, but you know, in order to grow, we have to get comfortable in the discomfort. And so that's something I've had to really overcome too in, especially in my intimate relationships is being like, oh, I got to sit with this discomfort and know and just practice the act of being okay and just self-soothing, self-calming, self-regulating. I'm okay. It's okay. I can be okay in this moment right here, right now. So that's a big part of it. So for me, taking up the practice of meditation was life-changing. And I know it sounds very woo-woo, but it's really not. And And if you spend 10 minutes a day practicing seeing the thoughts, not getting attached to the thoughts, not stopping that. I think that's where I think people just have so many misconceptions of what meditation is. It's really just slowing yourself down enough yeah. to see the thought, becoming aware of it, choosing, do I want to engage with this thought right now or just want to let it go and release it and seeing it and say, okay, that's a judgment and I choose not to attach to that. But it, but when you practice in, it, in, in, you start implementing it in your life. Yeah. And, and when you're, when you're meditating, really all you're doing is you're practicing mindfulness and really you're, it's just about you getting present again. You yes. not being anxious about the future. You mm-hmm. not being over, overly feeling guilt or shame about the past and things that maybe you going back to something you, you mentioned, some, maybe you did do some things wrong and you're kind of regretting those things. But instead of, instead of feeling the guilt and shame about those things that you can't change anyway, you're, more about the present maybe you need to practice forgiveness about the self-forgiveness that's uh you know a practice of self-love that people don't talk about is forgiving yourself for things true mistakes that you may have made in the past and then not being so anxious about things and and in the in the future and meditation there's many different forms of meditation that you can do there's active meditation maybe you're going for a walk maybe you're going for a bike ride maybe you do need to uh, stay still and sit still for a few minutes you know in the morning or in the evening or both um, you know, in a, in a quiet room for a little bit, but you're hundred percent right. You know, you have to slow those thoughts down. You have to slow yourself down to get back to being present. And, uh, regardless of what, you know, it may come in different forms of meditation, but it's something that everybody needs at some point in time. I, I absolutely believe in it a thousand percent. It's made me a better wife. It's made me a better mother. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a life changing practice. It's as much a part of my daily habits as my, uh, physical workouts. It is, it's just as life changing, but what people don't understand is it's a practice. Just like you don't go to the gym one time and your body changes 
it's it's a practice that you do day in day out and then you become better at it in your daily life and you become stronger and it's the same thing like when you go to the gym you have to go day after day consistently and then you become stronger and physically more capable i love that that you brought up forgiveness the f word we call it because for me and you mentioned the self-forgiveness i think that's really important because i think especially for children of trauma that's where they're going to struggle the most because yes. children of trauma really carry around a lot of shame. And that practice of self-forgiveness yeah. for me was way low in the, in the priority of, of what I forgave first. And I also want to talk about what forgiveness is. I don't know if your listeners have, have you have a working definition of that or... Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness. There's a there's a lot of misconceptions. So I yeah, I would yeah. love to love to hear that. Yeah, I, I and and you know and for some again because I work with people who have been so impacted by trauma. If you don't want to use the F word, if you want to use letting go, release, whatever works for you, because that that forgiveness word is so. It is so intermingled um, with so many other connotations, like you know the whole forgive and forget. No, you shouldn't forget because there's the lesson you want to learn from the experience. And we, so you don't want to necessarily forget. And forgiveness doesn't mean condoning. We're not condoning the actions of other people. We're just choosing not to let that negative, toxic emotion that they gave to us rule us anymore. I'm releasing the shame that you've thrust upon me, but it doesn't mean I condone your actions or what you did to me. I'm just choosing to kind of break that energetic cord and let you go. And I talk about this all the time. I, I forgave, you know, my, my biological alcoholic father, then my, my sexual abuser and last was me. And it, I had to kind of build up to that. It, it was a long process. Yep. So one of the things that I learned about forgiveness through my own personal process is that, yeah, sometimes you can forgive the person, but you don't necessarily have to allow for that person to come back in. And I think that is one of the misconceptions about forgiveness. Forgiveness is for you. And I, and forgiveness was a huge part of my healing process and I'd let it, let it go. But just like one of the things that you were saying is that just because you forgive doesn't necessarily mean that you have to forget. And unfortunately, a lot of people use forgiveness as a tool of manipulation. You know, that if you forgive them, that they should still be a part of your life. And no, it doesn't have to be that way. There's plenty of people that I've forgiven through the years that I will never talk to again. They don't owe me anything. We're good. I don't need anything from them. I don't need an apology from them. I don't need them to pay me back. I don't need revenge. That was a big, that's a big part of forgiveness. You know, if you feel like you still need revenge and you know, yeah. you need this person or you need to see them, you know, perish or you need to see their, their doom or, uh, because the, the, the flip side of that coin is oftentimes if you hold on to that resentment or if you're holding on to or waiting for revenge. We're waiting to see the get back or for the universe to get them back or whatever. You might not ever see it because that person, especially if you're stalking them online or whatever, you, they, they could, they could give the image that everything's perfectly fine, even though it may not be, but they can give the image that everything's perfectly fine. Meanwhile, you're sitting there turning over and spinning, not sleeping at night thinking, you know, hoping that this person is going to get their get back and it may not ever happen. So it's best for you to, for you to let it go and just say, you know what? And I, I'm not saying that's easy, 
because I always, I always call it a, it's like an iceberg where it has to slowly melt over time. You know, that you're going to have your days where it's like, oh, you know, but, but forgiveness ultimately is for you, but ultimately you don't have to allow for that person to come back into your life. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about how it's really about releasing those toxic feelings that you're carrying around that the other person gave to you. And you, you absolutely don't have to put down those boundaries. It's really about you being in charge of your own emotions, because when that person has that ability to make you angry, they have a lot of power over you. And that, that when I was going through my own like betrayal trauma, that's what I didn't like. Another thing I'd like to add about forgiveness is it. Yeah. Again, Let's just keep saying that it's not for the other person. It doesn't mean we condone what the other person did. That's not what it's about. It's about us being our very best. And it's also, it's a choice we might have to make over and over and over where I choose to let this go. I choose to let this go again. I'm choosing to be in the moment. I'm choosing. So I think that's another thing. It's not a one and done kind of a thing. Unfortunately, it is something that is a process like many of these healing process we have to practice it over and over and over but it's so worth it yeah um and i also want to talk about self-forgiveness because i think that's that for me that was a big thing in my divorce that was the last i think really really significant part of my own healing process i forgave my my uh biological father who abandoned me and i didn't really feel like he treated me well and the 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 guy who sexually abused me that was easier than forgiving myself I carried around a lot of shame a lot of guilt a lot of regret for many years about my own divorce like why didn't I do better why did why did I make the choices I made and I just and again that was a a process I had to keep choosing to forgive myself and saying, you know, you did the best you could at that time. If you yeah. had to know better, you would have done better. And so it is a choice where we can choose to to, to let that go. Why do you think so, uh, self-forgiveness is so difficult for people? Yeah. Yeah, why is it difficult? I, again, I think because the way we've been pro- programmed to think about it, that if we forgive ourselves, or we'll forget. But, but you don't have to forget. We can learn the lesson, but also release the toxic emotions that we're carrying around. And again, so the flip side of that is also practicing self-compassion and self-acceptance. I'm really a big believer in radical self-acceptance and that I am human. I can love myself despite my flaw. So it's all, it's all like a multi-level process and a multi-modality process where you're doing multiple things at the same time. I think that's uh, I that is the reason why self forgiveness is so difficult. Is that you have that means that you have to accept some aspects of yourself that you don't like. Yeah, accept like flaws. You have to accept things that aren't acceptable. You have to take responsibility for some things that maybe you don't really don't really care for that you that you did mistakes that you've made and. People don't like, I mean, it just comes down to accepting, you know, when, when we talk about forgiveness, there's a part of it that, uh, an acceptance process that we have to accept things about ourselves that, uh, we may not have accepted from other people or we may have taught, or we may have uh, been taught 
that are unacceptable and you know and that's where that's where healing really really gets really deep that you know because you can't run from yourself you can run from other people it's like we were talking about you don't have to accept you know you can forgive and and move on from other people but you can't move on from yourself you can't move on from your other thoughts your own thoughts you really actually have to accept them and, and actually you know work through them yeah absolutely you yeah and so that the practice of self-acceptance is really i've i found as i've deepened my work over the years shadow work has been really it's and again it's 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 just looking at those aspects of ourselves that maybe we don't want to accept maybe we don't want to want to go oh uh, or we it's just those parts of ourselves that we don't like but here's the thing, by accepting them, embracing them, you're not denying them anymore. You're not ignoring it anymore. You can actually integrate it into a higher version of yourself and see yeah. how this may have benefited you at one time, but you no longer have to have that part of you and say, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay just, just the way I am. I have that loving part of myself. And again, it's also for me being vulnerable as someone who kind of had like a lot of childhood trauma and things like that, like being vulnerable is not uh, a very uncomfortable place to be. And so looking at those things makes you feel very vulnerable. And forgiveness is is part of that too. Forgiving yourself, oh, it makes you feel very vulnerable. But that's where we actually find our strength, being yeah. vulnerable. I love the way that you put that in terms of that's where we find our strength because one of the things I try to tell people is that that's the difference between someone who is confident and someone who struggles with deep-rooted insecurities, deep-rooted trust issues, that sort of thing, is people think that people who are confident don't have insecurities, and that can be any further from the truth. People who oh. ultimately are confident and, you know, are walking with their, you know, shoulders back, so to speak, they they're aware of their insecurities they don't allow for their insecurities to overwhelm them. that's the difference whereas people yes. who truly actually are insecure have trust issues that sort of thing um try to mask and try to pretend like they don't exist they try to mask and pretend like that self-acceptance or that unforgiveness doesn't exist and and it ends up seeping through the pores and the the holes so to speak but when you accept it and when you work on it you're like yeah these are these are some issues i'm working Right. And you, yeah. and you bring them up to the surface and, and allow for them to get some air, so to speak. Uh, it makes such a world of a difference speaking from personal experience. I don't know if that's what, what your experience was like. Oh my gosh. Beautiful segue. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I was just thinking, you know, like my brain was like going into, man, this really blends into like the trust issues. So many people who don't trust other people. Well, it's, you have to be vulnerable to really be able to trust anyone. But the thing is, you have to start with yourself. You yeah. have to learn to trust yourself and be willing to say, you know, I made these mistakes. I take accountability for these mistakes. I can grow from these mistakes or I can handle myself despite the mistakes I make or despite trusting someone. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest mistake that people think like that all relationships are perfect and that everyone's going to be perfect and Yep. Someone has to be perfect in order for you to trust them. And that's really not true because a, a relationship grows and evolves and and 
everybody has their own flaws. Are we willing to work through it together? Are you willing to, to, and the other thing I think the, the big mistake that people make after divorce when it comes to trust is, are you willing to hold yourself accountable when you see that that person has broken your trust or has broken your boundaries and isn't, um, isn't, isn't going to be the one for you. Cause that's, that's the truth. You have to hold yourself accountable and you have to feel icky for a while. It's going to feel yucky when you see that person that you really liked and, you know, and, and they didn't, and they messed up and you have to hold those boundaries. It's not going to feel great. That's the other thing I think people don't understand that people who are healed feel great all of the time. No. Yeah. It's going to be anything true. As a matter of fact, yeah. I would say not only is it so, so far from the truth, but it, it's, uh, you know, I, I, going back to something else that you said, uh, sitting with those feelings, sit, sitting with those negative feelings and sitting with those negative emotions. I think people who have gone through a healing process do that much better. It's that, mm-hmm. it's that we accept the fact that uh, go, kind of, I want to kind of go back to something I mentioned in terms of masking insecurities, people who... Yes masking securities pretend like everything's good all the time where someone who's gone through a healing process will allow for vulnerability and like no everything's not good right here you know and they have people and they have a system in place and they have people and uh you know therapists and other people that they can go to like everything's not good here's what's going on and they find solutions to problems rather than just acting as if everything is perfectly fine acting out as if everything's okay you know they bring those issues up and uh, ultimately makes for a more more fulfilling life uh, and they just and, and they have the ability to do exactly what you said earlier uh, just sit with and and be uncomfortable you know I always compare our emotions to the lights on that on the dashboard of our car it doesn't mean that you know if the check engine light comes on it doesn't mean get rid of the entire car you know entire car is a disaster it means go check your engine you know go hook it up to the thing if the gas light comes on you know it tells you the things that the car needs. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get a, that the car is completely disruptive, you know? So if you're feeling anxiety, right, you check in with yourself. Like there must be something that that's causing that level of stress and that level of anxiety, but it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or your entire life or your entire relationship, but it's time to check in with yourself. And sometimes you might need other people to, to help you work through those feelings and work through those emotions. And hold you accountable. And I think that's what, I think that's where as divorce coaches, that's what we do. Yeah. Because sometimes we see the red flags, we see the patterns and we want to, like you said, we want to kind of just power through it or push through it. And you need someone to go, you know, you know what happens when you ignore that? (laughs) And you know what happens when you, you see that red flag and you just keep pushing through. Yeah. I've seen it time and time and again, when, when my clients are dating, and again, this is where you need that accountability and you see that red flag and you start to minimize that red flag and you go back to those old tendencies, those default patterns. And you need someone to say, nope, we're creating new patterns. We're going to face the discomfort. We're going to face the breakup early on so that later on we're not that much worse. You know, so I, I think that's really, you know, when, when it's difficult to put up those boundaries, you you need someone to help you like again tap into your inner resources tap into your inner strength and and sit with you during that discomfort yeah. because you're right it's it's not always fun it's not always it's not always fun 
no, no. It's like we have coaches, and it's like, oh, this isn't always fun when you point that shit out that it did again. <laughs> but thank you, and I'm willing to work through it and work past it. You know. Well, Terry, you are a wealth of knowledge and an absolute. Uh, you know, I love it when coaches have done the work themselves uh, and are able to describe that. You know, it, it really it's really a testament to. You know, all the work and all of everything that you've done for yourself. Um, you know, I, I think that people who have uh, done the work are, are great teachers, and obviously, you're giving back to people on there and, and helping people out. You've helped out so many people who uh, have are, are tuning in on here, whether they're listening or watching on YouTube. Uh, so, if you, I'm going to kick it over to you. If you can tell people where they can find you at, uh, where they can connect with you at, your social media handles, that sort of thing, um, and and just tell people how they can connect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can find me on all kind of the the regular channels. Facebook, I'm pretty prominent as Terry Vanover. Uh, you can go to choosingtorise.com and get a free resource with your three keys to healing after divorce so you can finally feel secure and feel confident again. Um, I'm on TikTok, it's Terry Vanover 449, Instagram, all that good stuff. So I'm, I would love to just connect with all of your listeners and my listeners, I'm sure will connect with you as well. Yeah. Matt, it, this has been a really great experience. We really touched on all the biggies. On one course. Yeah, you touched on a lot. Uh, and if yeah, you are listening. having me. This was oh, great. Absolutely. If you are, uh, it doesn't matter where you are listening or watching, watching this at, let us know in the comment section down below a, a takeaway, something that you may have learned from this episode, something that you have learned from Terry. Also, make sure that you go down to the show notes, all of her, uh, all of her social media handles and and uh, contacts and website and everything will be down in the show notes down below. Make sure you guys show her some love, send her a DM, let her know some things that you may have learned from today. Uh, if you're looking for a divorce coach, you guys know I don't bring people on here that I wouldn't hire or recommend myself. So make sure you guys uh, make sure you guys connect with her as well. With all that being said, thank you very much. And we will see you in the next episode. You guys have a great one. Bye. Thanks.